1: pixel sift is proudly supported by murdoch university school of arts maybe you want to learn to make your own twitch channel or podcast and outclass the competition does that sound amazing well with the skills you've learned in the creative degrees and in games sound film journalism and much more it will put you in a class of your own so have a look at murdoch.edu.au forward slash arts to learn more about what they've got on offer that's murdoch.edu.au forward slash arts, or you can search Murdoch University for more information. Murdoch University School of Arts, proudly support, supporting Pixel Sift. Pixel Sift. Hello and welcome to Pixel Sift, the show dedicated to indie games, from around Australia and the world. My name's Fiona, and thanks for joining me tonight. My co-host, Sarah, hello. Oh, yeah. once again, I've pressed the wrong button and you weren't there. Hello. Hello. Thank you for,
2: for allowing, for letting me, give me permission to speak. I appreciate <laughs> it.
1: Now our guest tonight is Hamish Wagstaff, the director at Aber- Aberrant Re- Realities. Thanks for joining us, Hamish.
3: No problem. It's great to be here. So he, Nailed that pronunciation.
1: I know. I Once again, <laughs> I like I said, I just can't speak English as soon as the mics go live. So Hamish here tonight is going to tell us more about his game Double Shot. But first of all, Sarah, what are we going to be speaking about?
2: Right. So tonight we're going to be looking at two different companies and their attitude towards crunch culture, and they are Epic Games and Respawn Entertainment. Right. Well,
1: let's get started.
0: You're listening to Pixel Sift. Or you might be watching Pixel Sift on Twitch. Pixel Sift.
2: So the topic of crunch culture is definitely nothing new to the video games industry. Oh, sorry, you saw a bit of my camera adjustment there. Whoops. Um, So crunch, it's, uh, I mean, we're we're very familiar with it on the show because we've spoken about it before as well. But today we're going to be specifically looking at two uh, arguably similar studios, which is Epic Games and Respawn Entertainment makers of Fortnite and Apex Legends, and we're going to be talking about their entirely different approaches to the issue of crunch culture. So early today, we posted the question, does a game studio attitude to crunch impact what you buy? And we had a lot of really interesting responses and different people responding to that, which was great to see from the community.
1: Now the whole, like like you said, it's it's really interesting because they're very similar games, Apex Legends and Fortnite. But the way the studios are going about Crunch time is very different. Like there's been lots of reports coming out um from Fortnite Studio uh saying that they've gone long hours, sometimes fifty hours um to a hundred hours a week. Whereas um Respawn has been going about a different way and they've actually been focusing on not having crunch, well, minimalizing crunch as much as they can. They're very against doing that. So it's really interesting how two similar sort of games have very different ways of looking at crunch.
2: Speaking of crunch, the, the biggest thing that I've been seeing is just how it can absolutely kill the the quality of work over time within a studio. So particularly, you know, when, when workers are asked to, uh, to work 100-hour weeks regularly and that takes away so much time for them, um, especially I think it was Dragon Age Inquisition, um, the success of that mm-hmm. game was absolutely huge. But one thing in reading up um, from the what the the workers at the studio said was the success was one of the worst things that happened to them because it was made under a lot of crunch and that the fact that it was so successful i think for the studio it perpetuated them being like oh crunch is good crunch gives us success crunch gives us more money so that in turn is it just fuels a very toxic cycle within the game development you know like uh i guess the cycle and, and making more people feel like they're more pressured to crunch because oh that gave us success once it's going to do it again and such
1: and there were even uh former Bioware developers coming out saying that some people were saying they wanted Dragon Age Inquisition to fail so people could realise that the crunch period and the way they've been making games is not helping whatsoever. One of the uh, the veteran writers from uh,
2: Dragon Age, uh, David Gator, I believe that's how you pronounce his name, when he moved over to Anthem, um, and he says the version of the story looked a lot different than the ideas which they've been experimenting for the past few years and the general lack of, of, you know, vision and, and structure in Anthem spe- especially, I mean, we've all we've all heard about this, we've talked about Anthem before, so we won't focus on it, but you can really see what the crunch culture ended up doing to that game because it all just fell apart, you know. It it has such a long development cycle, but the the crunch to get a shippable game out near in the last couple of years has obviously just it killed the quality. It killed the game. And I think it's, you know, we're not, I'm not sure what we're going to see from EA next or from Bioware next, which is interesting. But looking at Fortnite and Apex, Fortnite obviously has been, he pumps out content, you know, week after week, especially, um, I guess it's still in its prime in a lot of ways, but especially over the last um, last year and the year before. We were seeing so much stuff come out, very, very regular updates with Apex not as much, mainly mm. major bug fixes. You know, I, I was surprised that it took them, I guess, as long as it did to bring out a season pass because we all kind of knew it was happening. That's just kind of how these games as a service, kind of these these free-to-play games run. You know, they start the monetization train really quickly or it's already there when it's released. But Apex started with no monetization, I believe, and it took them, I guess, longer than what you'd kind of expect for a game of that caliber, especially one that is jumping on the train of Fortnite and um, PUBG to kind of, you know, monetize because I was – interested when it came out and I was like well how do I give them money you know like mm. these guys need money to survive that's how this whole thing works and it's very interesting looking at their their very different approach So um, the co-founder, Vince Zampella, recently said that the studio is focusing on seasonal updates, improving the game, and avoiding crunch at respawn. So we're going to be seeing updates come out um, over longer periods of time compared to Fortnite, so maybe more monthly or quarterly updates compared to weekly updates. And I think we've seen uh, Apex take a bit of a hit as a result of this. So I believe Fortnite is still regularly doing weekly updates at the moment. Uh, I haven't been keeping track, but um, Apex has dropped its general player base and ranking um, on Twitch. According to Twitch Metric, viewership is hovering at around 20,000 on average, down from 357,000 in February. It's currently ranked number 14, well behind Fortnite, so Fortnite is still up there even though it looked like it was going to be a strong contender. What do you guys think about that?
1: What do you think, Hamish? What's your uh, attitude towards Crunch and your studio's attitude?
3: Um, yeah, it's an interesting question. It's cause it's obviously a completely different, um, situation, you know, and scenario to, um, how it is in the, in the, in the biggest studios. Um, and I guess we can go into that bit after, but, um, as for the studios themselves, it seems like Respawn's really taking a stance against crunch culture. Um, and just sort of definitively saying, you know, no, we're, we're respecting our devs and we're going to put out the content, you know, when it's ready, when it's done. And when, when we say it's done and, um, you know, as you said, over longer periods of time, um, which again, as you said, is hurting them because, uh, Fortnite has set such a dangerous precedent by constantly addressing every little issue, often the same day, um, and and the weekly updates, just just shoveling out content, um, which is really giving consumers a. Um, it's, uh, it's setting a precedent, would you say? Yeah, exactly. It's exactly a dangerous precedent. It's a slippery slope. Um, that's we've well, the Epic has already just slid all the way down, um, where consumers are expecting this level of service um, from from all games now, and yeah, it's just hurting. Studios like Respawn that don't seem to be respecting this Crunch culture.
1: As an indie studio, do, have you been pressured at all to get involved with Crunch?
3: Um, yes. Uh, yes and no, obviously, to a much smaller extent. Originally, it was an issue for us um, just internally. Uh, we were just sort of setting goals for ourselves that were vaguely unobtainable and sort of sprinting towards them um a few times like when we've had a convention come up we just had to we kind of just had to get like a build ready and get it done for um in time for the convention or um whatever was up really soon um which didn't really leave as much choice it was either show you know a subpar product uh, to the public or, um, you know, put in stupid hours. Um, I don't think, I don't think we ever put in a hundred hour weeks or anything that these people at, uh, Epic are talking about. I don't, I don't know how they're doing that, but I guess they're being paid a lot more than I am.
2: Just for reference, uh, an article released um, talking about uh, the crunch at Epic Games uh, from Polygon. It said the uh, workers were working uh, in excess of 70-hour weeks with some reporting 100-hour weeks. And just for reference, um, a standard working week in Australia is 38 hours a week, which is about 7.6 hours a day. And... Um, yeah, so about seven point six hours a day and thirty eight hours in a week, which is a is a far cry in my opinion from uh, from working seventy hours. I couldn't even imagine working seventy hours. Used to, when I used to work in my old job, which was a standard eight hours a day, and I couldn't even fathom what a one hundred hour mm. week would feel like. Have has your studio ever like gotten close to to you know even just you know what are your usual hours look like? Do you work about thirty hours thirty hours a week, or is it kind of does it fluctuate a lot?
3: Uh, it does fluctuate a lot for sure uh, because our studio's a bit smaller, or it was when we were making, or while we were making the majority of Double Shot, and so a lot of us were part time. Um, so people's hours really changed from from anywhere to um, you know two days a week, eight hours a day, to five days a week, eight hours a day. Um, and and again, depending on if there was convention or something coming up, we just you just had to. But I don't even think we ever got close to seventy hours. Um, <laughs> the work, the quality of work you put in once it's past a certain time, you know, once you're once you're kind of tired, it just it just peters out and you're creating subpar content. But yeah, I don't know how these people do it; they just have to.
1: So thanks for watching, Pixel Sift, your indie gaming interview podcast live on Twitch. If you've just tuned in, we're talking about the different attitudes towards crunch culture from some of the industry's most recent successful studios, Epic Games and Respawn. Earlier today, we actually posted a question on different social medias asking about your opinion, and we've had many different responses, one from Fantanoise on Discord Said sadly, a lot of companies are hush-hush about it to answer your question. Yes, I have avoided some gamers, some games due to it. Redemption and Red Dead Redemption 2, for example. And then another person, Matthew, on Facebook, says, It's difficult because good games have crunched as well. The problem is when we crunch, we required uh, becomes required all the basis for studio culture. And I think that's where it has become a little bit now. We see especially with some articles coming out from Bioware, there's more of a pressure and kind of a you-have-to-crunch to get there, which is not a way for not only people to live but also for companies to continue producing successful games.
2: On the Twitch Perth Discord, there was a comment from Daz Action that I thought was particularly interesting. Honestly, no. If it's a game that I really want, it won't make a difference to my decision. But on that note, as mentioned above, I hardly ever hear about the working conditions until after the game has been released, which is a very good point, especially with Fortnite and, um, and Anthem and in a Apex now, you know, we didn't really, especially with games like Apex or Anthem, where we don't really know much about the game until it's finally released. That's the one thing that you never hear about, generally speaking, is the working conditions. So, I think that's quite fascinating that effectively a lot of people just we just don't know until it comes out and even then some people just may not be reading into the news. They might not be following Polygon or these insider articles that talk about that.
1: So, Hamish, do you see it different when you're working for yourself than as an employee for a big company when in reference to
3: Crunch? Um, uh, As I said, I haven't worked in the other situation Um, So it's hard to say definitively, but a lot of working for yourself is, uh, you know, it's not a wage. It's not just feeling like you have to put that in because you're getting a lot of money, you know. It's just feeling like you have to put the extra work in because you want people to enjoy what you're making.
1: You're a bit more passionate about it.
3: Yeah, I, I don't know. I guess. I mean, I, I assume people in AAA studios are still passionate about what they're mm. making, but here it's it's solely that. Um, you know, there might be money at the end of the line, but at the moment, at least in our situation, um, when we were making Double Shot, there wasn't money funding us through it. So, it, you know, it was coming in whenever you could from your part-time job.
1: Well, I think this
2: putting
3: is... Putting in whatever hours you could.
1: Oh, sorry, I interrupted you there.
3: No, it's all good. How's the end?
1: Well, that's actually like a perfect <laughs> place for us to stop talking about crunch culture and move on, and we can learn more about your game, Double Shot, and that'll just be in a moment.
0: Pixel Sift! <laughs> Pixel Sift!
1: No, seriously, Pixel Sift. <laughs> no, seriously. Pixel Sift. So tonight, joining us is Hamish Wagstaff, Director of Aberrant Realities, and he's here to tell us more about their game, Double Shot. So for those who may not know, what is Double Shot?
3: Oh, that's me. Uh, Double Shot is a VR action bartending game um, that is very 80s themed, you know, neon lights, um, synthwave soundtrack, um, that's just very over-the-top action. Um, you know, it's meant to be a bit silly, but mostly it's just meant to be a lot of fun.
1: It looks like a lot of fun. I've seen lots of clips and trying to shoot back as you're also trying to pour a drink. Where did the inspiration to make bartending shooter-like
3: game come from? Um, it came from a lot of things, I guess. Um, it it The game itself started as a... Uh, student project a bunch of us got together for our final um, our final big project at the end of our last year of study and um, this was just somehow born out of a bunch of brainstorming Um, it it was originally the name was for some kind of sort of 80s themed racing game Um, and it just somehow became these two things smashed together Um, a lot of it came from Two very sort of popular tropes we were seeing in VR at the time as well, uh, which was just sort of very serious bartending simulation of like actually measuring the fluid amount in each in each uh, glass and just ninety percent of games at the time were shooters as well. So we decided to smash them together somehow in a way that was chaotic and enjoyable.
2: When you were seeing these games that were trying to, I guess, accurately recreate bartending in VR, was that did that influence your decision to to push this game to be a VR game, or were you already thinking of making it VR? You know, when the original idea was conceived. Uh,
3: I think we were originally looking to make a VR game, so its conception started in in VR, really, because. Um, we were fortunate enough that just at that time that we were doing that project, the school had, um, gotten itself a, uh, one of the earlier versions of, uh, uh, Rift, I think, um, no, a Vive, an early version of the Vive, um, so that we could just start playing around in it. Um, and it was an artist shambles. Oh, I should have given you some footage of the, the very, um, sort of genesis of what the game looked like. It's come a long way.
1: So what were the challenges? Oh, sorry, I cut you off this. No, I was going (laughs) to ask you the same question. You go... Do it. What what challenges came with making it VR? I can just imagine it would be, like the logistics of it could be a nightmare if like one thing goes wrong.
3: Um, One of the main challenges was honestly like testing was making things because we only had one headset and it was in a different room. <laughs> so we had to <laughs> just sort of slap a build together, and then one person would could go into the other room and test it. And we had to test like six things at once, um, you know, and just sort of write them down and see what was working. Uh, it's a bit better now as we have like five or six headsets in the office, but it's a bit chaotic with controllers flying around everywhere. Everyone just ducking as they're trying to type at a keyboard. But um, deving, like developing. Uh, it's pretty much the same. There's just some things you need to take into consideration, like um, uh, there's a set amount of lights you can have in a scene, that kind of thing, because it's very expensive to render in VR as opposed to um, just making a regular PC game. So we had to really sort of focus on that aspect of things, Um, just keep the graphics, you know, um, sort of low, below a certain bar, so that it could be at a certain frame rate. Because otherwise, the second you put that headset on, people are just vomiting mm. uh, from getting terrible motion sickness. But it's definitely been enjoyable. It's a, it's very satisfying to jump into VR and test a mechanic that you've been making. Um, you know, actually pick something, or actually throw something around, actually shoot someone in the head.
2: How long has the game been in development for so far?
3: Uh, well, like I said, it's part-time, so it's hard to tell, but um, from, I guess, that, uh, from that very first sort of student project, oh my God, how long has that been? <sighs> two, two and a bit years, two, two years and three months or something like that.
1: Sorry, it's been a little while, which is, which is interesting. VR just it just blows my mind sometimes like I think about it I'm like this is amazing this is where technology has come have you made many other games in VR I think I saw maybe one or two
3: yeah VR is very exciting um that's a whole nother conversation as to whether it's the future or not um it's a future uh but yeah we've made a couple of games we've uh, mostly sort of game jam type games, just experimenting with other stuff we wanted to do. We had a game jam where, I think it was called Barely Fishing, um, where you were sort of on an island and you were a bear and you were trying to survive by fishing with, with this box of dynamite you had and just throwing it into the ocean and catching fish with dynamite. Um, so lots of stupid things like that. We were trying out some kind of new toon shader, I think. Um, and a game where it's sort of like a, very light rts where you like pick up your troops you know and you can grow huge and survey the battlefield and then shrink down and be the size of the troops um just because we wanted to play around with how scale looked mm. um you know in vr which is a lot of fun <laughs> can i just say being being able to just grow to the size of you know a skyscraper and look down a little world is 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 a really weird feeling
1: so thanks for watching, Pixel Sift. If you're just joining us on one of our live platforms, we're talking to Hamish Wagstaff from Aberrant Realities about their new game, Double Shot. Now, how much bartending experience does the Aberrant Realities team have?
3: Um, well, if I add it up collectively, I think it's about zero. <laughs> I was, um, yeah, none of us were in the 80s, none of us were in the, uh, have done any bartending and none of us have uh, killed a man that I'm aware of. So, um, it's kind of, (laughs) kind of just born out of not much experience, but, um, I think that's where a lot of the fun lies because it's not serious at all. It's very over the top and just, um, sort of trying to be fun rather than realistic
2: now, I've just gotten word from our head producer, Gianni, that Oculus and HTC or Steam have announced some new headsets uh, this week that are apparently cheaper and just in, all in general more affordable. Are you are you guys excited about that at Aberrant? Are you going to be checking them out?
3: <clears throat> yeah, I haven't had a chance to look closely at them yet, um, but I've known for a while uh, that uh, Valve has been messing around with, with that sort of thing, um, trying to compete with... Uh, Oculus and the Oculus Quest I think because it's a pretty similar price point um, but I'm definitely excited to look at any sort of new headset that comes out um, as long as it's not just some kind of gimmick you know so there were a lot of headsets coming out just saying like we have a much better screen quality um, and it was just sort of a crisper screen and $500 extra I'm not really interested in that but the, these will hopefully be something um, you know new taking the, the technology forward
1: are you going to make any in the future? Are you going to make more games in VR, or maybe switch up and work for just the generic sort of platforms?
3: Um, yeah, that's a good good question. We're we're not really married to VR, but it but, because there are a lot of issues that come with developing for VR, like um, just incredibly small user base, very hungry, um, but very small. Um, so even unless you're you know a Beat Saber or a, um, uh, even more indie games like Gorn, um, you just don't get much, uh, much coverage, um, which is difficult to find uh, publishers and all that kind of thing because just no one's interested in publishing VR games because there's not much money in them.
1: Well, with um, the VR headsets and technology becoming a little bit cheaper, do you think you'll hit the mainstream soon?
3: Uh, we're hoping that's where it's heading. Um, at least that's why we're trying to sort of stay on top of this kind of thing. Uh, you know, if no one's making VR games for the current gen headsets, then no one is going to make new headsets. And the technology won't be furthered and then no one's going to buy it anymore and then there just won't be a VR market and it'll just be like the Connect, You know, something people drag out in their garage to make an art show with or something. Mm, People Something that gets
2: sold at E B games for fifteen dollars a pop. (laughs) Yeah.
3: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Um so we're hoping hoping it goes forward and we'd love to make games, you know, to be release titles on those sorts of things, but uh it's it's um it's about making those connections, you know.
1: Now, I've known, I know that you're the director of Aberrant Studios. Uh, what's the, what does that involve th- for the title director?
3: Uh, I mean, initially not much. Uh, we, we we're all equal partners. Um, we just needed a director on paper. Um, and I was, just, <laughs> I was just the person who was in most often. Um, so our uh, sort of mentor at the time recommended it was me. Um, but I mean after that fact, it turned out it also meant um, you know if the company goes bankrupt and all that kind of thing. that's on me. Uh, which which <laughs> a bit of pressure which was there. A bit of pressure, but I mean it's not it's pretty pretty damn unlikely.
1: So how long um, have you been the director?
3: well, since our establishment, um, so two and a bit years ago.
1: Mm. Uh, So one last question before we wrap up. Are there any thoughts of making the game multiplayer? Because I thought it would be pretty interesting defending your own bar against your friends as you're trying to shoot them and throw things across the the room or something.
3: Yeah, that is a good one as well. We will we would love to put that in. And there was always talk of that kind of thing because like you said, it would be a lot of fun, um, but it's just about how, um, and there's no, there's no real plans for it in in the current state of double shop, but I mean, who knows for, for future projects, but yeah, we really did want, um, the ability to, you know, play with your friends. We're even talking about having sort of Twitch integration, having a fully rigged sort of model there so that you People could dance around and stream on Twitch and you know throw molotovs at people, um, but unfortunately, yeah, we just we, we just we ran out of time. We just gotta we just gotta release it.
2: I that's... just say a uh, double shot 2 Electric booger when
3: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's the exact title we're going with actually. <laughs>
1: Well, that is all just about all we have time for for today's show. So, Hamish, if people love what they've heard and possibly saw, where is the best place for them to find out more about the game and also what your studio gets up to?
3: Uh, well, our Twitter, um, at abrieldev, um, is usually where we're posting most of our updates. Um, yep, yeah, there it is. And. Um, the game is currently on the Steam store. It's um, what's it called? It's early access, not green light. Um, so you can people have been finding that and purchasing it organically. So if you do if you do like what you see, give it a give it a play in its currently unfinished state for a slightly cheaper price than when it's released. Um, and we've got a Facebook page as well.
1: Well, thank you very much for for joining us for another episode of Pixel Sift. and thank you very much Hamish for joining us tonight to telling us more about Double Shot.
3: Thank you so much for having me.
1: So this episode has been hosted by myself and Sarah. Thanks for joining me tonight, Sarah. Thank you. And it was produced by Mitch Lowe, Scott Quigg, and our executive producer is Gianni Di Giovanni. Now, we wouldn't have been able to make it to 120 episodes of Pixel Sifts if we didn't have the support of Murdoch University. So go and check them out and tell them we sent you. And if you're keen to learn more about a great creative degree, you can go to murdoch.edu.au forward slash arts. And then as always, we'll be sticking links to the topics we talked about in tonight's show, in our show notes on our website, www.pixelsif.com.au
2: also come join us on discord and maybe even convince mish to play a game with you (laughs) because we'd love to have you there and that is pixelsift.com.au forward slash discord where you can share your creative work in games art whatever you're working on you can talk about the current topics and the games that you're playing anything else we also do regular games with people that we know as well over there so definitely go check it out that's pixelsift.com.au forward slash discord and we'd love to see you there and if you like what we do, please tell a friend. We don't pay to advertise. We rely on word of mouth for people to find the show. So definitely give us a share. Let your friends know if you think they'd like it. We'd love
1: to see them here as well. And our next episode will be on the 16th of May. And if, you've, and if you join us this time next week, it will be Pixel Sift Plays, where we play some of the many different indie games that we feature on our show. So that's all for this week. Thanks for joining us, and we'll catch you next time.